together if we happen to believe different things about the nature of the divine. And this is where secularism really has a valuable role to play. So the secular is designed to save freedom of religion. Absolutely. So it's a very odd situation that secularism works so well that people actually forget what it does. And I think in the current frame of American history, we're seeing that right now. We're forgetting why in the mid-20th century, the United States Supreme Court decided to really pull church and state apart rather aggressively. We refer to this as legal separationism. But it worked swimmingly, I think, for a good 50, 60 years. And then all of a sudden, the question arises, well, why can't we have a little more religion in public life? Why can't a president say prayers? Why can't we uh, invoke God's name in school? Why can't kids in a cafeteria at a public school pray? So, uh, yeah, secularism sometimes works so well that we forget. Of course, if you look at the Soviet case, sometimes it works so horrifically that we try not to be secular. Well, I wonder if you'd be willing to, from your perspective, answer a couple of those questions you just asked. Why can't a president uh, say a prayer at uh, a, a breakfast? Why can't a prayer be said in school? Yeah, James Madison confronted this issue throughout his presidency, and his conclusion was you've kind of, you've got to let the unessential differences drop. If not, we're never going to get anything done. The reason I invoke Madison's name is my view is some of these things are really, really minor. And secularists, be they believers or non-believers, just have to let them go. There's something I called crash activism. Uh, whenever a nativity scene pops up in front of a post office or a federal building, uh, a lot of secularists go into a sort of emotional overdrive. I think a lot of those examples are really innocuous. They might be annoying, but perhaps secularism uh, has bigger fish to fry. Then their cases which I do feel threaten the core secular principle, at least in the United States, of disestablishment. And this is where we need to get worried. When politicians start speaking about the United States as a Christian nation, I think our fight or flight bells are rung. When a school has only one type of denominational representative come year after year to give invocations and blessings at graduation, or at uh, commencement exercises, whatever they might be, then I think we have to be very, very cautious. The danger is religious establishment. And that's why you have that odd bunch, Martin Luther and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, along with Roger Williams. Yeah, the horror of establishment, and what I learned writing the book, is the horror of Catholicism. Isn't it funny how we, we forget about the American tradition of anti-Catholicism? And the 19th century, the second half of the 19th century, is a real high watermark uh, for this type of irrational dislike of Catholics. And I regret to say, secularism has a lot of blood on its hands. They're secular governments that go catastrophically wrong, case in point, is the, the Soviet Union, which is in fact a form of secularism. So I don't want to fetishize secularism. I don't want to say it always works under all circumstances. I think when it does work, it's the least awful alternative for managing a religiously pluralistic society such as our own. So the question is, what, what should secularists do? Um, because uh, it seems as though they're fighting in the interest of everyone. Right. Secularists have to first have reasonable expectations. I never thought I would come to this conclusion when I started, started this project about 10 years ago. They have to understand that the idea of absolute separation of church and state 
which is an idea that I personally think is kind of swell, but it ain't going to happen. And it's never happened. And in those places where they tried to make it happen, nobody would ever want to live there. So another thing I try to do in the book is to track the trajectory of this phrase, separation of church and state, which we secularists tend to assume is in the Constitution. But here's the rub. It's not in the Constitution. And a practical secular politics is going to have to confront that fact and move forward. There's a lovely slogan you put forward at one point. Secularism, freedom from religions you really don't like. There it is. Freedom from religions you really don't like. It's like the don't tread on me of, of the secular movement. And at its core... That's the takeaway from secularism. That's what it offers people. It says, you Baptist citizen of Utah, you won't have to live under a Mormon establishment. And you, my Catholic friend living in Greenwich Village, will not have to live under a Jewish establishment. And I think most Americans are really...